0: It's the Criterion. It's the Criterion. 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 In, 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 in. Criterion. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Criterion Project, the show where we talk about movies in the Criterion Channel or the Criterion Collection or both. I am Conrado Falco, and I am joined today by, as always, by Rachel Wagner. Rachel, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I am doing pretty
1: good. I had
0: a bit of a rough night, but I am recovering here.
1: Oh. To, um, <laughs>
0: I feel like it might be appropriate for the movie that we're covering to be a little bit <laughs> um, tired.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Um. Yeah. Do you have a fun Memorial Day weekend to get to do anything fun? Yes, I think that was the weekend which I
0: went to my first professional baseball game. I went to see ah. the Mets. I have a friend, A who's been on the show talking about Citizen Kane. Uh-huh. He's a big Mets fan. So he took me out to the ball game, as they say, and it was a lot of fun.
1: Cool. I I enjoy going to baseball games much more than watching them
0: on tv yeah yeah it's it really makes a difference i've tried watching it on tv didn't understand it i didn't see the appeal but being at the game and being able to see the whole you know field it's uh it's different and the energy and you know all of that stuff
1: yep get a good hot dog
0: definitely definitely yeah
1: yeah it's fun times uh
0: Uh, yeah so
1: i grew up up in maryland and they have a great uh baseball stadium in baltimore called camden yards Mm -hmm. it's really fun
0: Um, so today we're talking about Rosetta, um, the 1999 movie by the brothers Darden. But before we do that, we always talk about something that we've been watching on the Criterion channel or something you know a little bit Criterion related. So, Rachel, uh, have you been watching anything interesting?
1: Yes, I did get to watch uh, a really cool documentary called The Winged Migration. I don't know if you've heard of it,
0: yes, I have,
1: but it's it's pretty incredible as a documentary uh, that just follows birds as they, uh, uh, geese and uh, uh, storks, cranes, other birds, as they make their migration uh and uh they get just some incredible incredible shots Hmm. uh with uh drones and different things and uh it's a really really good documentary and it's a nice it's one of those things that's nice to just kind of have on the background and you can kind of enjoy and uh while you're doing some other stuff i and uh yeah so it's in the uh in the Saturday matinee or whatever <laughs> section. <laughs> right, I'm Rachel's favorite section. My, my favorite. Um,
0: I also, since you're talking about animal documentaries, um, my wife was watching this uh, miniseries on Netflix that's one of those, you know, Richard Attenborough, not Richard, sorry, David Attenborough oh. miniseries, mm-hmm. which was called like the, one, the world of color or something like that, in mm-hmm. which they talked about all the ways that color influences the way animals you know behave and camouflage and all of that stuff um it was really great and it was really fascinating and it's and I agree with you that those kinds of nature documentaries are great for like putting it on when you want to watch something kind of casually and just like right see the incredible nature and that kind of thing
1: well and those like planet earth Mm -hmm. and and uh blue the blue planet and all of that are are so relaxing to me (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, uh, they do a they. I mean, that's the uh, the cream of the crop, or the David Attenborough ones, and uh, then like Disney Nature is still enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the Disney Nature ones, you have to kind of like a little bit of anthropomorphizing going on. You know, like they give them names and tell like a story, and right. you know, it can feel a little, little, little corny. But I still enjoy them and uh, it's one thing's cool on disney plus is any of the disney nature films they or most of them they have a uh, kind of a behind the scenes documentary on the documentary about how they hmm. got some of the shots that they get and uh uh so that that's uh, really fun too to watch yeah and
0: that's that's really interesting yeah. um some of those mm-hmm. david Attenborough ones also have uh, they show you how they got these shots and it's kind of incredible the mm-hmm. kind of things they do yeah and
1: they spent years. I know at Sundance there uh, was a movie called The Elephant Queen mm-hmm. uh, that was there one year, I think it was 2018, I'm going to say, or 19. Anyway, and uh, they spent seven years following the Elephant. Right. Seven years. I mean, that just blows my mind.
0: Definitely.
1: Yeah. But Wing and Migration, it is beautiful and follows the birds and their stories, and it's definitely worth worth a watch.
0: So, so. I've been watching some stuff, but um, to be honest, not so many Criterion stuff, but I give you a quick mm-hmm. random. Actually, the uh, Marx Brothers movies that have been available on Criterion, they're going to go out at the end of the month. So I've been trying to catch up with some of those that I haven't seen before. So, you know, we covered Duck Soup uh, on this podcast so people listening who haven't listened Mm. to the episode can go back and check it out. Um, But I saw Horse Feathers which is basically all of these Marx Brothers movies, they kind of are just, you know, obviously very light on plot. It's more about the comedy so it's just like a different setting and then they have a bunch of gags. So this one Horse Feathers is kind of like a college situation where Groucho is kind of the the dean of the college and he's trying to get like a good football team because that's going to be what you know switch kind of like makes the college a better college or like gains them prestige or something like that. Um, and of course there's like shenanigans all over the place, It's it was really funny, I really loved it and then I also watched The Night at the Opera which um, obviously it's about opera um, which is also really good and that's the one that they did at MGM which we talked a little bit about in the Duck soup episode how they kind of switched a little bit their style and it became a little less zany mostly because they introduced kind of like these romantic couple at the center that kind of for the audience to root for and for the marxist to help them instead of just creating chaos so i guess the idea was that they would make them more palatable um I kind of agree with the, with the people who prefer the crazier ones, even though, you know, everything in and out of the opera is very funny and very crazy when it wants to be funny and crazy. And then there's this stuff with the, you know, the romance that is not very uh, fun. But I overall, it's a, it's a pretty great movie, so I would recommend both of them. And if you are into Marx Brothers, to check out everything that's on Criterion because they have a lot of their movies and they're going to be there only until June 30th, as far as we know.
1: Oh, that's a good reminder. I haven't seen either of those, so I've heard about them, but I've never seen them. So yeah, I I have to check it out.
0: They're very fun. So if you, and they're also short. So if if you ever have like you know a short window of time and you want to watch something really funny and and kind of you know just to pass the time, I think they're great. Op- those are great options.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I because I like Duck Soup a lot. I think it's very funny. So mm-hmm. and I've seen um. There's one other one, I can't think of the name, uh, where they're all at a hotel Mm. um, that I've seen. uh, But yeah, anything I've ever seen from theirs I've liked, so I'll have to check it out.
0: Yeah, definitely recommend that. Um, Okay, so I guess we should get into uh, the main topic for the episode, which is Rosetta... The movie, like I said, from 1999, um, directed by the Darden brothers. So the Darden brothers, probably not a household name like, you know, in America or like with, uh, I guess, the casual moviegoer, but a very prestigious name in kind of the art film world and the festival world. Right. They're one of the few directors who have won the Palme d'Or, which is the most prestigious award. At the festival level at the Cannes Film Festival twice which is pretty impressive they have a big following whenever they make a new movie it'll be selected for the competition at Cannes and Rosetta was their first time winning the Palme d'Or and was kind of like a big breakthrough movie for them um so we'll talk a little bit about what we think of it but Rachel do you want to give a little bit of a description of what the movie is about
1: Sure. Yeah. So Rosetta is about a young woman who uh, lives in a trailer park with her mother. Her mother is uh, is an alcoholic uh, and uh, is in toxic relationships, I guess you'd say. Uh, and so she is kind of obsessed with finding a job. And she really struggles to find and keep the job. She ends up meeting this young man who works at a waffle stand, but he sells his own waffles on the side and uh, she rats him out to the boss of the waffle stand uh, and because she wants the job Uh, and it's basically, it's kind of a slice of life type story and just following this girl. Uh, and she struggles with her with with her job and with her mother.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good description of what happens. Um, in terms of the style, I would say that it's a movie that has that kind of uh, European realism style is what mm-hmm. I would call it. That, you know, the camera follows the character around. Um, there's not a lot of cuts in a scene. There's mostly long shots in which the camera kind of just... Um, Follows the 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 action and the characters is very shaky, um, kind of giving you that kind of documentary style to it, mm-hmm. um, which I personally feel that maybe has become a little bit tired and and overused. But I do have to recognize that these guys are probably at the foreground of introducing that style. So, you know, to at least to fiction movies, you know, obviously in documentary, it, it, that's how yeah. movies have been for a long time. But, um, and that, I guess, uh, you have to respect it even if, you know, some they become so influential that a lot of people start repeating it. Do you have any thoughts about that kind of style? Do you have a reaction to it? Or do you, are you just okay with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just okay with it. I think it's interesting. I i feel like i wish i had been able to get inside her head a little bit more and sort of the the desire to be observant of her sometimes i wish i could have had her narrating you know a little bit more of it or just like i felt a little bit uh i don't know i just would have liked to have gotten her perspective more specifically a little bit more if that makes sense I
0: I think that makes sense. I think the... Right, the idea with this style, I would say, or or I would, like, you know, interpret, is that you kind of want to show everything through the action of the character. And she is a pretty proactive Mm. character, I would say, right? We know that she's trying to find a job, and we see her do a lot of different things in order to try to get to that goal. Um, And still... But but I, even then, I think there is a necessity that they see in wanting to get a little bit more inside her head because there is that scene when she's sleeping or when she's at in bed and she kind of like talks to herself a little bit. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And she says, "I want to have a normal life," and, and she kind of like says these kind of um affirm affirmation words to herself, right? Um, I don't remember.
1: Yeah, and I think she she thinks that employment equals happiness and that's easier easy for somebody like myself who has you know, has had consistent employment for many years to kind of be like to not take it as seriously as she's taking it i guess uh, but there's there's a side of me that's like just wanted to tell her you know tell her no that's not true like nothing nothing that you're doing will necessarily make you happy like you have to be happy because of the people that you're with you're that surround you and and what you think makes a a compelling life like whether it's religion or something else that's that gives your life purpose uh and uh, and it seemed like she thought to me that that employment equals happiness and she's even willing to portray her friends and mm. i don't know i thought that was interesting yeah i think uh i think that's
0: uh pretty much true although i guess there's also i feel like i would what i would add to that is that um it's not just that she thinks that it'll give her happiness, but that she's in such a position that it's a necessity for her, right? Because she can't find a job and her mother Mm -hmm. can't go to work because she's in such bad shape that she, it's, it's really urgent for her to get a job and it kind of because of her situation, she she seems so consumed by that idea and by that quest that right, that it kind of starts to conflate and everything about her life becomes about finding a job. Um, there is not a lot of room, like you're saying, for uh, other kinds of grace or, um, you know, happiness and alternative to the yeah. life that she's having. It Everything seems to be really consumed by this quest to find a job. And that in itself seems to be the thing that they're kind of criticizing of, like, you know, when people are in this situation, then how do we expect them to, to have a... A worthwhile meaningful life they can you know they don't even have the time to sit down and think about that kind of thing Mm
1: -hmm. there there was a side of me that felt like this movie would have been better if it was directed by a woman okay and particularly anything involving the like menstrual pain that she has i mean i've never heard of anybody using a hair dryer for menstrual cramping
0: <laughs> and i've
1: never i don't think that that would be very helpful or work like it's so i don't know you need something like a hot rag or a uh, or a water bottle or something like that that would be more kind of uh you wouldn't want it to be like that kind of intense heat that you would get you want it more like l- kind of something that you could have on for a longer period of time right and i've never heard of it just felt like to me that part of it was like this feels like a man trying to understand menstruation not the actual thing like this did not that's the one part that felt like what nobody does that i've never heard of anyone doing that well that's interesting in life.
0: you mentioned that because something that i feel that is one of the things that keeps me from uh fully loving this kind of style of filmmaking is that I feel like because it wants to be such a realistic uh, point of view, such a documentary type of view, then everything that um, rings a little false or doesn't seem realistic is all, is, is magnified, you know? Like, it becomes yeah. much more of an issue. That's what I was trying to say also when with the scene when she's talking to herself in bed, that that seems out of... Uh, of a screenplay, you know, in a way that it doesn't feel like a documentary, that it feels a little bit um, outside of the world that they have set up for themselves, a little too convenient that she would say those things to herself, you know? So, um, those kinds of things stick out to me in that sense, and and I think they keep me from fully being on board with them. Um, yeah. And I don't know, because that's true. Yeah, I don't know if they would say that their goal is to be super realistic, right? In a way, the fact that the camera moves the way it does is already breaking the illusion of, of the fiction, so I'm, I'm not really sure what they would say to that, but uh, to me, that's an, an impediment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would agree. I think that I need like a little bit more kind of humanity to it, like something like, say, I don't know, something like what Linklater does in like the before movies or... Boyhood, or something like that, where it does feel somewhat slice of life, but it also has enough of a narrative and a script to kind of uh, to kind of help you work through it.
0: Yeah, well, link later loves talking, right? So his characters are yeah. always explaining everything that they're feeling. So that's very convenient in that sense because it's just they're very talky movies, and they're a lot of the time about what the character's ideas are and having conversations. Mm-hmm. So that's something that becomes a little more difficult when you want to do this kind of um, action forward. But, you know, not action in the sense of, like, explosions and car chases, but, like, in terms of the characters moving and what they do tell us about them. Yeah. I was interested in... Cause... Yeah, go ahead. Because
1: Yeah, I, I just don't think that, like, something i think you would try maybe try the hair dryer maybe once and realize oh this doesn't work and then you would uh just use a hot towel i i I don't know i just feel like she kept going to that and i was like no this is not (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair thing because also I feel like she could get a hot towel, right? Like I don't think there's like an. Im- yeah, she's not like in a position where she couldn't find an alternative to the hair dryer. I don't think. Right. At least the movie didn't make that clear. Um, that yeah. it was her only yeah. way.
1: Also, I thought that I don't know if this is weird, but I felt like she ate really weird. She would. She would like like to eat one piece of like French toast took her like so long and in like these teeny tiny, tiny little pieces or a waffle. And I was thinking that's very like eating disorder behavior. Oh. When you, mm-hmm. you, when you like, you'll take like a piece of licorice and you'll make it into like 20 pieces and eat it very slowly. And there was some other stuff about her that I was like, what's going on with this girl? (laughs) I don't know. That uh, that was a little bit strange, I thought.
0: Yeah. Well, she's clearly under so much stress, right? As a a teenager who has to be in a situation when she needs to support her uh, mom in that way and herself in that way. And she's also, we should say, I think that the main kind of thematic point of the movie, I thought, was that she was so uh, determined in what she needed, but also very proud about not accepting help, right? Or, like, doing it all herself. It seems like Mm -hmm. she wanted to really... Because she goes to the kind of unemployment office and they tell her, we can't give you unemployment, but we can give you welfare, and she doesn't take it. And then there's another moment where her mom gets a piece of fish and she's like, did you beg for this? We are not beggars. And she throws it away or she fights with her to to throw it away. So she feels really like she wants to do it all herself. and, And she's clearly not uh, willing to connect with someone else she feels very guarded and very close you know like you said she has this guy who works at the waffle stand and she doesn't want to get close to him as a person when she goes to his place and he wants to start dancing she like runs away and then she ends up like you said betraying him in order to get the job
1: yeah and i did i liked that dancing scene i thought that was one of the best scenes of the of the movie Mm yeah yeah what do you think it's a, also
0: a interesting ending I thought. So I don't know if you have thoughts about what the movie might be trying to say. It's a pretty dark ending but with a little bit of hope at the end I thought in a strange way. What would you say to that?
1: Well, her mom is totally drunk at the end. Yeah, so that's no good. And yeah, and then so she is uh she tries to uh asphyxiate herself with this gas mm-hmm. and uh, and then she kind of she decides not to do that so she's taking the heavy gas container over to the landlord trying to get it uh, filled and she's struggling to carry the the heavy container that's mm-hmm.
0: kind of yeah, and it kind of ends in the, in the middle of that um, it just cuts to black. The first time that I saw the movie, Um, or rather I've only seen it once for this show but I should say like Mm -hmm. right after seeing it that struck me as a very uh, pessimistic dark ending Um, obviously you don't know what's exactly going to happen next but it doesn't look good then I saw some reviews and some analysis of some people who were saying that the presence of the guy who were talking about the waffle stand guy because he shows up towards the end you can hear his motorcycle and then he kind of grabs her by the shoulder right before the end and they were saying that that was kind of like a sign that that the connection was still possible, and they saw that as a bit of a, um, a bit of a of hope at the at the end uh. of this very dark moment. Um, what I thought was interesting is that they also went on to say, and I wish I remember the name of the person who wrote this. I'm sorry. Um, but that there was like a Christian or Catholic element to the movie in terms of how she feels like such a martyred figure and a figure who is kind of trying to do it all herself and and closed off. But she, what she needs to do is accept or the grace of uh, other people or like you know. Um, and now I'm doing not the best job of describing it. But do you did you see any kind of like it's not. You know, yeah. religion is not explicitly in the movie, but I thought that was interesting that they read it as a as a r- having religious elements. Did you see any of that?
1: Hmm. I I never thought of that. I, when I was watching it, but there is a certain amount of uh, about like the Protestant work ethic kind of within mm. it. You know it, that I could see. I, I don't really see anything of Catholicism, but. Um, but yeah, the, uh, that, the, that making your own way and finding, you know, being independent and kind of, uh, that I, I can see that a little bit. I think that she's awfully harsh Mm -hmm. on Like her mom's not a very good person, but it still felt like, boy, she's being harsh (laughs) to her mother. Uh, I don't know what did you think about that
0: it's hard to say because it's such a slice of life movie that you feel like you know I wonder about the history that they have together you know and how she got hardened this way but I agree with you that 100% she's been very harsh like the, the question it for me was more like oh how did she get to be this way you know and mm-hmm. I guess by the end of the movie you kind of see it because she's in such a tough situation but also um also I don't know I mean it's tough we have talked about movies about poverty before on the show mm-hmm. um Pat- Patrick Panchali for example, which we covered a couple episodes mm. ago and you compare the way that that the people are portrayed and it's I would say it's quite different I think the directors yeah. in both cases have a lot of empathy for the for their main character but the world of this movie is seems much bleaker than the world of, even the world of Pather Panchali, right, where everyone was poor and, and, and in a hard situation, but there seemed to be a lot of uh, beauty in the world around them. Um,
1: mm-hmm. I think the fact that the, the characters are so much younger in Pather Panchali, because there's something about the innate hope of childhood, mm-hmm. you know, and that, mm-hmm. and that they, they could go off and have fun, and be happy. And yet, still have to deal with hunger and loss and you know all of those things. And whereas this, in this case, you just have her as this. I don't know how old is she supposed to be. I forget. I'm pretty uh, sure she's a,
0: a teenager, but 16? I'm not really sure how old. Yeah,
1: something like that, sixteen. And uh, I, that's it's such a hard time, no matter your situation. Uh, that that time where you're just you're trying to make your own space but you you like you you can't 100 percent do it Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just like it's just a tough time to be a person i think yeah and let alone with the situation that she's in uh makes it extra hard
0: yeah yeah definitely Mm -hmm. um Something else that's interesting, I thought, is that the movie was obviously it won at Cannes and there was a big deal for Belgium, which, you know, it's kind of a small country. So that was uh, kind of a bit of a cause celeb or whatever. And uh-huh. then it ended up being a, a big deal because the movie, uh, some people debate whether or not this is exactly how it went but there was a law that passed in Belgium that was that some that a lot of people refer to as the Rosetta law which mean which made it so that teenagers who work sh- would be paid the minimum wage and not just like you know less than that and that seems to have been like a big deal that was a law that was kind of if not created based on on the movie then like kind of like the movie kind of influenced its passing or something like mm-hmm. that, which I thought was interesting um, in terms of the impact of the movie. Also, I don't know. I feel like the the problem of the character in the movie is not that she's not getting paid a full wage. It's more so that she can't find a job. So I don't know. If, I mean, it's a nice law, but I don't know if it's going to uh, address the issues of the movie.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's interesting here, at least where I'm living currently, Like, they actually really need this level of employee right now, like practically every restaurant that you go into or a grocery store, any place like that now hiring, now hiring, now hiring, uh, people are really looking for uh, this kind of, you know, for like a minimum wage kind of employee right now uh, coming out of the pandemic, which is, it's kind of uh, right now, it would be very easy to get a job uh, for the kind of work that she, you know, like working at a waffle stand or something like that. Um, so this may be a bit also, a, you know, creature of 1999 kind of a thing too, that it was such a, a, a different time
0: mm. as far
1: as the economy as well.
0: Yeah. Could be. I mean, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with how things were going down in Belgium in 1999, but, right. um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's so it's that is getting us kind of in the realm, more in the realm of like politics and real life um right. stuff, right? So like debating yeah. that kind of stuff, I think it's it's not so relevant to the movie um fair, but i I yeah, but I just thought that was interesting the the real life impact of the movie, especially yeah. because in America, it's not a very well known movie at all, I would say, um except for right. people who are maybe like into. Um, foreign film
1: yeah that is interesting definitely uh, so yeah so why do you think this is a criterion film Um, I think that I most of, of my arguments
0: I have already mentioned some of it I mean let's start with what we were just talking about that it has a, a kind of like a real world impact it has a historic importance in b- being a breakthrough moment for the dance as directors and for this kind of movie. I mean, I really, I, I think that, you know, ever since I've started getting into movies uh, and wa- trying to watch foreign movies that do well at the festivals, I think, like, there hasn't been a single year in which there isn't a movie that is, um, gets good reviews and gets a lot of attention, at least one of them that has this style of movie Mm -hmm. and that tries to do something similar to this, that social realism and that kind of handheld camera and then following the Mm -hmm. character and not a lot of talking. Um, Sometimes it's done very well. I personally am a little tired of it. I feel like there's other things that we could do. I don't think that this particular style is super illuminating uh, about, like you were saying, about the characters, about the world. Um, uh, I feel like it's very limited in its ways, but that being said, it's definitely an important part of, of contemporary cinema. And I think that's what, uh, and and, obvi- and also a lot of people love it. A lot of people love this movie. A lot of people love the Dardenne. So obviously that feels like a fit for a Criterion.
1: Yeah, I think with the directors, and it doing so well at cons and, the the whole style of it I can see why it's in the Criterion channel,
0: and where would you think it ranks in the in our pretentiousness scale?
1: It's pretty high, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, I think eight, I agree with you. But why do you why would you say so?
1: Because it doesn't give you any kind of access to the the mind of the character. It doesn't give you any kind of. Uh, narrative easy narrative that you can kind of and have access to what what they're trying to go for you have to work it makes you work hard that's me it Hmm. would make it pretentious (laughs) as a as opposed to something that's really crowd pleasing and you just get it and you know exactly what they're trying to make you feel
0: Right. Okay, that's interesting. Work hard because she's in such a position where she's working so hard, so I guess that's kind of <laughs> that's appropriate. <true. laughs> um, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. What, what
1: number were you given? like an eight? I gave it an eight,
0: yeah. Yeah, that sounds right to me because I do feel that it is not uh, that hard to follow. You know, like, I feel like a, when we're talking about a nine or a ten, you, in terms of accessibility, we are talking mm-hmm. about movies that are so opaque that you don't know what's going on a lot of the time, right? Right. Um, but I do agree with you that there is a pretentiousness here in terms of wanting to, you know, if you think of pretension as wanting to do something beyond just making a fun movie, which is kind of the, the idea there, like wanting to say something about the world, wanting to change the world in one particular way or another. I think that there that is the whole uh, thing that's motivating these directors to make the movies that they do, right? I think, like, they want to showcase all the injustice that is going on, all the darkness that is happening in the world, and, and, you know, do something about it. In this case, you know, a law got passed, so, you know, they kind of did their job pretty well. Uh, but I do think that is a pretentious goal in the sense of, like, we're not just making a movie. We want to do something more.
1: Yeah, and it's... it's they want to do something, but they also don't want to be super like heavy handed about it Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. it's sort of they make you kind of work to understand what they're trying to say
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: something like something really sentimental because I wouldn't describe this as sentimental
0: no or a documentary you know like that just like comes out and says what it's trying to do in terms of uh, activism
1: yeah exactly definitely well what did you think about for remake this was hard, I thought.
0: Yeah, this was hard because, like I was saying before, I feel like this movie gets remade almost every year. Um, yeah. Just in different <laughs> in different circumstances, you know, different protagonists, different country. Yeah. But we've seen so many movies like this. So I was struggling with it. Do you have a a, a pitch? Yes, okay. I do. why don't you go so, first?
1: I, I, I must say, I don't really know the actors that are sort of would be in this age range that well that are kind of up and coming um so the the one i could think of that i think would be interesting is millie bobby brown oh okay and and have it directed by andrew hay who i love and i i i know you weren't as crazy about it but i loved lean on pete and i think that that if he could bring some of the humanity that that film had and uh, him, his struggles uh, I think to this story with her acting because I think she's a very good actress and I think that that would be a very beautiful, hopeful movie, it would be good.
0: That would be interesting because, yeah, because I do think that Andrew Hay has a, I think his style is kind of similar to this but maybe a little less uh, gritty and a little less frantic and also, mm-hmm. I do think that, like you're saying, especially in the movie, like Lena and Pete, he has a more of a warmth to him than than, than their dance do. So maybe that'll be in would be interesting to see how the tone changes uh, when if he takes on the material. Yeah. What I was gonna pitch is something completely, not completely different, but what I was wondering is like what if this story was told in a completely different style? Like, what would that be like? And I thought of my, um, you know, a style that I really are drawn. i am drawn to, which is kind of this uh, deadpan comedy that we've covered before. Like, you know, so I was thinking maybe like a Wes Anderson type of thing. And then I realized that there is a movie that... Uh, we've talked about before that we disagree on that it seems to me like it's kind of almost verging on being a bit of a remake of this which is the movie *Cajillionaire* with uh, uh, by miranda uh, july yeah. which is about this you know family that is uh kind of trying to well they're not trying to find a job but they're trying to like calm their way in out of into surviving in a in in a Outside of the of getting a job, right? So they're poor and they're kind of homeless and they're trying to um, do this little concert in order to survive. And the and the, the center is this daughter character who is also kind of very harsh by life the way that Rosetta is. So I thought that that was um, that just came to me, and I think it's an interesting comparison. And I uh-huh. w- would sit down and think about a little bit more why I love that movie so much, but Rosetta doesn't really connect with me and, and what is there because I do think they're very similar in theme but very different obviously in the way that they're presented
1: yeah that that would be interesting so if you were a Rotten Tomatoes critic would you go fresh on this
0: on Rosetta um,
1: mm-hmm. I think
0: probably but it would be like a, maybe like a soft fresh it's, it's, um, it's like mm-hmm. it, I think like it's not a bad movie it just doesn't really connect with me you know in the mm-hmm. way that i that i wish it did
1: mm-hmm. yeah i would go fresh on it just because i think it succeeds in doing what it's trying to do as far as being a piece of neorealism i think it's it if you feel very uh like you were there with her following her mm-hmm. going along with her and so yeah i mean i would i it's not the kind of thing that i like love but i think i would go fresh on it but but yeah, I can see the comparison Chinkajillionaire. Uh I, you know, there were a lot of reasons the movie didn't work for me, but I can see, in theory at least, mm-hmm. the, the, the comparison. There, are, the, Another one that I thought of uh, is um, I, Tanya. I think that the style <laughs> of that movie, I think if you wanted to do something with a similar kind of plot in a way, but make it a little bit more humorous, that that could be something like that because that also that also takes on you know poverty and and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. trying to succeed in the world that seems against you and kind of a, a similar uh, similar story in a way actually I think
0: yeah that that's actually an interesting uh, movie to bring up that um huh that is really making me think about like um, the way maybe there's something there about the way in which. Uh, American filmmakers and then European filmmakers think uh, of poverty and how they depict it on film. I think there's definitely... I think there's a different approach to them, maybe because of the different histories. Um, You know, there's a long history of realism in in literature in in Europe and kind of like this very gritty, very down-to-the-ground social realism. And then I think in America, obviously, the influence of Hollywood and this like fights of fancy and um i don't know i i feel like there's yeah. something there yeah that's a very interesting comparison
1: mm-hmm. yeah well uh next uh, uh our next episode is going to be totally different <laughs> hard left <laughs> as we like to say uh, we are going to be talking about bells are ringing in honor of in the heights coming out and musicals this is just like so exciting for me because this year is the year of musicals we have Uh, have (laughs) in the heights west side story dear evan hansen uh tick tick boom uh the list goes on and on and i am so excited and so we're going to talk about bells are ringing which i love and it has one of the most famous songs in all musicals with send in the clowns uh, very famous and stars Judy Holliday in the role she played on Broadway. And I love when you get those Broadway talent because it's just like the songs are in their bones, you know, like you, mm-hmm. that's just they know it so well. And it has Dean Martin as well. And it's really fun. So at least I really enjoy it. So Yeah,
0: I've never seen it. I'm really looking forward to it. I do love those classic Hollywood musicals. And I'm looking forward to having to to watching the movie, having a conversation. Maybe we'll talk about um, musicals and and how they don't make them like they used to. Or maybe not. We'll see. Uh, By the time we record that, we probably will have both seen In the Heights. So maybe we'll touch on that a little bit. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I like talking about musicals. I think it should be a good time.
1: It will be great. I'm excited.
0: (laughs) So... Uh, In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at CriterionPod, and please, um, you know, subscribe and rate and review on Apple Podcasts if you can. That will be uh, really nice of you. That will help us find more listeners. Um, If you want to find me and my work uh, individually, you could find me on Twitter at CocoHitsNY and um you can check out my other podcast which is called foreign invader um by the time this episode comes out there will be episodes out about jackie chan who we've covered on creature project before we did police story and and over in foreign invader we're talking more about his career as a whole and also another episode about nicole kitman so uh why don't you check that out how about you rachel where can people find you
1: yeah, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm doing Teen Movie Month for Family Movie Night. Every Monday, I have Family Movie Night. And in June, we talk about some classic teen films, and it's real fun. So check that out. And also make sure you're following the Hallmarkies podcast. we got lots of interviews, lots of other good stuff going on over there. Uh, so check it out. All right.
0: Sounds good. Um, You guys seem like you have your work cut out for you Go check out all of our stuff um, And enjoy (laughs) our episodes Um, I think that's it Um, Yeah See you guys next time Bye everyone Bye